Are you an upper bottom? Have you heard of the term? It means your boozing's brought you close to disaster, but not rock bottom yet. Well, if you think you're an upper bottom, please come and join us. That's Ollie Pickup, an award-winning journalist and my party partner in crime for many years. And he's Dan Orsessi, a.k.a. Sess, a publican turned podcaster. As we take a clear-eyed look at drinking and going sober. Expect warming wisdom and hearty honesty with shots of hilarity each week as we share embarrassing drinking tales and unusual observations on this journey without alcohol. We'll also have expert guests revealing secrets of the science behind alcohol addiction, plus interviews with fellow non-drinkers, and we'll be considering how our society and culture are absolutely saturated in booze. We're living proof getting sober doesn't have to be dull and dreary. No tragic rock-bottom tales here. Just bittersweet truths served with a refreshing splash of humour for anyone rethinking their relationship with alcohol. Bottoms up, let the fun begin. Cheers. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Upper Bottom podcast. This week, Sess, we're talking about the first time. How was the, the first? first do you remember the first time? The first time I ever drank alcohol. I'll be honest, I don't. I don't think I do. There's no sort of standout moment. I'm sure it, it much like m- many people, it would be a, a sip of something in the early teenage years, persuading parents to buy shandy, maybe a glass of wine on holiday again early teen years so I don't have a standout moment for the first time I imbibed um in terms of the first time things went wrong yes but let's come to that later what about you well well similarly I I think you know I I think I was about 40 I might have had a couple of tinnies when I was about 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. with friends and it's obviously quite an alien taste isn't it beer Mm. as a youngster and initially i don't think i liked it no that's but maybe that's right. natural yeah maybe because it's just very different um but I, I remember being about 14 15 and i'm conscious that my mum and dad will probably be listening to this so <laughs> sorry mum and dad i remember we used to go to the local super bowl in near macclesfield um we went along and in about an hour and a half we were dropped off and then we had about an hour and a half and we did a bit of bowling, but mostly drank Stella and had about four or five pints of Stella. Went back home, quickly scuttled to my room without wanting to speak to my mum and dad. <laughs> Got into bed and uh, spinny beds, uh, spinny beds. Uh, have to put my your leg over the side just to steady yourself. And unfortunately, we, well, it was lovely, but it was a Hessian work carpet. And unfortunately, I wake up in the morning often and there'd be a puddle there. And yeah, I I used to blame the puddle on our old English sheepdog. And then the sheepdog died. So I couldn't blame it on the sheepdog anymore. And uh, yeah, that that was... I reckon they knew. I think they probably did know. I think they probably did know. Didn't want to break, raise it. Yeah, so that was the first time it, it went wrong for you. So there's one occasion that I specifically remember and we get alcohol from a convenience store or maybe even a supermarket, which is crazy, isn't it? Now, it, obviously, it's so difficult for, for someone who's 13 or 14 to be able to buy 
booze from a supermarket, but we'd we'd kind of go down by the river in in the in the local park in Chelmsford. I'd meet my friends and we'd drink a few of them, and then we'd kind of congregate as the night went on to a place where there were lots of other youngsters, and I think they'd probably listen to music and cup off for a snog behind the bushes, <laughs> that sort of thing. So it was lots of uh, lots of firsts going on. And I remember going home and on the bus being violently ill. Now this this was this is it's always bad, listeners, to be sick on a bus, but especially so when you entered that bus using a child ticket. <laughs> so I clearly wasn't twelve, but I think I'd got on with this child ticket and then yeah, it, it embarrassed myself. And it was quite a long bus journey and I remember the yeah, the the results of what was in my stomach sort of moving up and down the bus. So apologies to anyone that was on that bus in the mid eighties in the middle of Essex. Uh but yeah. <laughs> poor behaviour. Well, that's a nice little scene set for us <laughs> for us for this episode. And um wanted to thank you again for the great feedback that we've had so far. It's been really, really encouraging. Please do like, share Give us, you know, five stars if you see it as appropriate and help spread the word. And uh, hopefully we can help more people. But yeah, this, it's about the first time. So, so we've, we've talked about the first time boozing. Mm. And now I suppose we're going to be talking about the first time without boozing. Yes. Special occasions. And also I should say very, very shortly, we've got, um, we're going to be speaking to Jane Linehan, um, And she is about five years sober and she's got a great story to tell um she is founder of the digital voice which is a a pr advertising agency so um yeah that's coming up shortly anyway sorry Cess. i think on on this journey that we've talked about there there are a number of of firsts that one encounters on on the road and you know they're coming because alcohol and and drinking is so ingrained in our society as we all know so it's often a touch point on those important moments in one's life. And, you know, you're thinking weddings, funerals, etc. But perhaps we'll start on a bit more of a, um, an every day. I mean, I, I, the one that sticks out for me was the first holiday that I had mm. without alcohol. Again, I think many of us would, would associate holidays with, with having a drink and as, as a key part of it. And actually that first holiday was a, was a winter holiday with my, in-laws in Sweden. The great thing about Sweden is, is that they're much ahead of us in terms of their alcohol-free products. So um, it, was, it, was, it was relatively easy, actually. And it was a skiing-type holiday. So it's quite active. So for, for those reasons, I really didn't miss it as much as I thought I would. I have to say, though, the first summer holiday without alcohol was a bit of a different kettle of fish. And where was that? So that was in Turkey. Classic family holiday, bright blue, swimming pools, sand, you know, sea, all, all the things that one expects from those those holidays. And I think I didn't realise quite how much the yellow fizzy stuff was hardwired into my experience of what a good holiday is. And I did find myself being quite bored quite quickly. Right. And I, and I guess that sort of makes one learn that Really, most of the time you're on holiday, it's that excuse to start drinking early by the pool, picking a book that you got at the airport. And I did find myself just being a little bit bored in a way that I'd never been before. Uh, and also the monotony of, of the holiday as well. So the um, 
I, I got over this by dragging the family around some Roman ruins, which I enjoyed, and perhaps them a bit less so. But yeah, so I, I'd say a mixed bag with holidays. I, I think as long as you've got stuff going on, it's great. But I think the, de- as I said, I, that default setting of not doing very much and drinking cheap continental lager doesn't work. And also, uh, listeners, Turkey doesn't have any non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. So that, yet. So that was a challenge in that I think I was only four or five months in and I had to switch to fizzy water or Diet Coke or something, which isn't really the kind of thing no. that, you, you know, so I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Probably not best to bring it with you. Well, I, yeah, um, I, my first holiday without booze was last summer in near La Rochelle. Um, and there was a, a plethora of options. How do you find the French non-alcoholic beer? Well, this is it. You go to the Yves Marché, and which oh, okay. is always a great experience anyway. Um, in fact, as a bit of an aside, we have to be careful with, with Claire, my wife, going into them. She often you know, gets told off for spending too long in them. <laughs> Not by me, by the staff that work there. They want to go home. Get away from the cheese hole. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was, I was amazed at how many different beers they had. And there was, you know, Ruby left. Yes, um, and and just loads of other options that I, I just hadn't hadn't seen or tasted. So Panache is not. Yeah, yeah, of course. Great, I have to say, a bit lemonade. But anyway, a bit lemonade. Go on, you're. Well, this is it. So, so those those moments of downtime, reading or playing mm. games and and things like that. Yeah, just a nice little bottle of Lefe that that really did the trick, and Kept I didn't going. I didn't miss anything really. We went for a very nice meal. Michelin starred place and Claire had a, a nice glass of wine and yeah I I didn't I didn't have anything alcoholic and and that that felt okay it felt like a quite a proud moment actually mm, I'm sure Claire might offer a different opinion but <laughs> um a, a few months later I had my first wet sober wedding mm, wow it happened to be it was in September it happened to I think it was the hottest day of the year last year it's quite close to where we are here in southeast London. And um, a very entrepreneurial group of siblings. One of them owns this or, or, or looks after this venue. And so this is where the wedding was. And I brought along my own alcohol-free beers and put them behind the bar in the in the fridge. And I went to, I had one, came back about 10 minutes later, or well, 15 minutes later, let's say, for, for the next one, and then sold them all. <laughs> the barman had sold all my beers my non-alcoholic beers and didn't realize supposedly ah, so they made quite a tight so i was a bit disgruntled i have to be honest that uh i didn't have anything and then it's the water and you can it's yeah, a bit boring it's, isn't it's it a bit... yeah yeah so that's wedding um uh, christmas so we both did our first non-alcoholic christmas i think that's it, it's it was one that i felt looming on the horizon mm. i think even in august i think and people will say to you oh christmas yeah that's a trick that is the toughie though isn't it and especially for you with it being you know the 31st of december that was the year wasn't it that I was, was I, yes i said you were coming up to that as well yes so i think once i decided i wasn't and i was going to stick with it it wasn't so what I, I realized was that how much that societal pressure to drink it's just ratcheted up mm. in December. Mm. It feels like, I mean, everyone's shouting at you to have a drink anyway, but yeah. in December, 
it's it's everyone shouting at you really loudly to have a drink. And, yeah. Go on. It'll be fun. Just the one and all the rest of it. And actually, it, I found that so interesting that everyone seemed to be shouting at me having a drink, being a sort of contrary sort of person. It, it almost made it easier for me. Yeah. And um, yeah. And again, I remember thinking I, I could see see other dads on you know on a Wednesday or a Thursday at the morning drop off, looking somewhat the worse for wear. And I remember thinking, so glad that I don't have that mm. kind of feeling tired and just done with it, which I think is, in my experience, is pretty synonymous with, with mm. that December feeling. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's Christmas. I suppose, sadly, I, I did, I did attend my first funeral um, this year as well. And the first I, sober funeral. The first sober funeral, yes. And that, I, I think that made me reflect on how unusual I think it is in our society, uh, it's, especially in, in the British Isles, how, how we do drink at funerals, because that's really not normal as far as I'm aware. In, right. In, in, in the cultures of our continental cousins, at least, it would be considered very bad form to crack open a, a tinny. But my, my first funeral was my granddad's open casket in the living room in people standing over the open casket with cans right right Gosh. Uh, and and this this was 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 normalized for me i suppose now i think about that as, as maybe that's a little bit odd but i think it's especially in in britain and ireland this is kind of quite normal behavior to, to drink what? at at a funeral and as a way it reminds me of i think i think i read it in george best it might have been a biography but he there's there's some talk about going to an uncle's funeral mm. and at the wake the the uncle is propped up in the corner of this pub and exactly. a sort of pint of guinness in his hand and everyone c- continues as though they're Why? you know chatting in the pub away to yeah bit yeah. bizarre i mean who are we to 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 judge the um the ways that people do things in 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 our culture but it it, it does str- seem strange as a non-drinker i suppose everyone gets there at this funeral, you know, at, at the funeral rather. And of course, people haven't seen relatives for a while. Yeah. So there's always that sort of slight, not awkwardness, but uh, people wanting to get on and, and kind of catch up as well. And clearly alcohol helps with that. But as the, as the hours went on, obviously very, very sad and, and um, an unhappy occasion. But I did reflect on the way home how glad it, I was, was that I'd experienced the whole thing straight as mm. it were, uh, and, and I didn't feel that sort of feelings of uh, of anxiety afterwards, like, did, did it, you know, what did I say? What did I show? What, what, what did I do? Was that too much? And, and, and again, you could remember everything. In, in this is, instance, it, it wasn't always nice to remember, but it was important to remember. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they're the, the kind of bigger things. What about your, your first experience of going to the pub? I guess that would have been in, would that have been in March? Yeah, Last I think year. so. Well, I, I, I went um, to the extreme of going for that that, that club, club night out that yeah. we mentioned last week, or, or, or yeah, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that was easy because it was live music, or, yeah. or at least a DJ. I think it is easier for um, a gig. But I don't think, I don't know, I'm just trying to, I've been asked on a skiing holiday recently, and it was a lad's holiday. And, I mean, logistically, it would have been a bit, difficult anyway but i'm wondering now if to what extent did i actually not really push that because it would have been awkward with me not mm. drinking um so i, I think, don't know yeah. 
I think the pub is 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 a challenge, is especially in those first few weeks and months. And I think it's it's a it's an environment that is clearly synonymous with all your, your memories and, and such. Yeah. It does get easier though. And there are certain tips. I think if you can mask the fact that you're not drinking a non-alcoholic product, mm. at least for the first round mm. or two, mm. you could take the edge off. Yeah. I, th- I think, and obviously there, there are certain products now that have been quite successful, successful as marketing themselves as ones where you can get a pint and that can go into the glass. So you, you, the other people at the pub aren't asking you about your choices. Yeah. That's, that's makes life a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but it does get easier as you have good experiences of going to the pub and not drinking. I suppose at the risk of saying something really obvious, talking through all these firsts, drinking at celebrations, Funerals, yeah. weddings, right to passage. It, it is, it's yeah, it's all about drink, isn't it? And and I think particularly at funerals, there is this. I heard this phrase the other day: "Drink and don't think." You almost you go for it, and and not drinking mm. does make you think. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'd like to, we'd like to hear your how you're getting on, mm. and perhaps whether you've got any feedback. As usual, it's um, upperbottompodcast yeah. at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. You can see us on Instagram at Upper Bottom Podcast. Uh, but now we are delighted to welcome, as mentioned before, Julia Linehan, um, who is, yeah, who, who will spend the next 20 minutes or so telling us about her experiences. It's great to have you on, Julia. Thanks so much for uh, coming on Upper Bottom. And um, well, first of all, congratulations for well, next week it's going to be five years sober, isn't it? Which is incredible. Don't. I can't quite believe it's gone so quickly, and it's half a decade of not drinking. It is. I do feel very, very proud. Um, and it's like it does, you, the years have just gone past so quickly. But yeah, I'm very, very proud. Five years and counting. Well, and counting—that's it. And and so, what exactly? Five years ago, take us to that space. So it's weird. A lot of people talk about, was there a defining moment? But I think it one of the, the biggest factors was the hangovers just hurt. I was 45 at the time and it became just more and more increasingly harder to cope on the hangovers and to function and to give my best to, to my company and to my family. And I thought, what's the you know there's that you do the uh, do the crime do the time that kind of idea and and it was <laughs> worth it before then I was you know I enjoyed my decades of drinking and it was a great seemed like great fun but when the price to pay is higher um, and you're feeling so rough you start thinking that is not worth it and there was a series of big events in a particular year that was the Cannes de Mexico and then MWC in Barcelona and each one of those, oh, my God, the, being at the airport, it was painful. And I think it was a cum- accumulation of all those things and the realization that the one thing I could switch off was just go, I'm not going to drink ever again. And it's not, it was a mindset change. And I was lucky enough to hear about that it worked for somebody else to use the Allen Carr easy way to stop drinking. And their, their clinic work on the basis that it changes your mindset. It's a mixture of psychotherapy and hypnotherapy to basically re, reconfigure your brain to understanding what alcohol does do 
and also what it takes away and what it doesn't give you. You're so ingrained in thinking it's the be all end all. You can't have fun without mm. it. And once you realize that you you can have as much fun and more without it, it just was a big switch. So yeah, that was the, the accumulation of it, but hangovers hurt like hell. And you, you mentioned the, you know, Cannes and a few other events there. We haven't really talked about your industry. And is, is it unfair to say that it's, you know, notoriously boozy in, in kind of PR? I think it's very fair to say. I think okay, of all yeah. the industry, I mean, I don't know, there's other industries like the finance sector and trading and it's probably as bad. But yeah, it's been, I've been in advertising for 30 years next year. And it's been, it's woven into everything we do, every event. It's, it's changed and it's changing still the right way but for decades it was a, a big part and I've got to be honest I led from the front so I'm as bad at it as I can hold my hands up and say yeah I mean I was I was very much you know, had a love affair with drinking wine as much as everybody else did and led from the front but I think it's it is changing and we're seeing that change happen and we and I'm very proud to kind of almost be pushing that agenda of it as well um five years ago it was not so well alcohol free and all the alcohol free drinks wasn't quite as standard and you'd still go to an awards do and you'd be able to drink as much champagne as you can shove down your neck but you ask for a non-alcoholic drink and you get offered a orange juice or a lemonade and I'm, I always respond am I 12 you know, mm. give me something give me fake the, there's so many options of fake champagnes and wines and beers be creative and understand there's a lot more people now that don't drink so it is changing but yeah it's, it's a boozy industry at the um question for you here julia at the yes. end of the time when you were, were drinking would would you considered yourself or classed yourself as an upper bottom you, you're aware of this this, this term i am you? aware of it i love that term because i think everybody perceives and everyone's like was there a rock bottom mm. moment no and in a way i loved being a drinker I'm damn good at it actually um and but when so there wasn't a rock bottom there was just an understanding that i wasn't it wasn't serving me well i wasn't giving my best to my family or to my company or to myself and i think that is a realization that is it's easy to come to without having to hit rock bottom i'd mm. very much i'm i feel very lucky that i can define myself i'm just a non-drinker don't worry about what's in my glass because I don't worry about what's in yours. All I've done is change the ingredient, not the habit. So I mm -hmm. can go out and live my life exactly as I did. I love going to, to, to pubs. I like having a glass of wine. I like having glass champagne. I love drinking beer. I just choose not to have alcohol in it. And I've, mm -hmm. I'm, that's quite a blessing because I felt free. I just said I'm never drinking again five years ago. I, and I've, I never would drink again. We've there's a lot of people that obviously are in AA and in a different situation where there is that they're having to do one day at a time. And that's very different for them. I mean, part of me still thinks there is an understanding that once you understand that alcohol brings you nothing, you're not missing anything. So as a non-drinker, I'm just choosing to change the ingredient. And that's a very easy switch to make. Will you mark your five-year sober anniversary any way next week, Julia? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I always do. When I did a post last year on my fourth year, it was on LinkedIn. It was one of the most most engagement I've ever had. And I'm quite prolific on LinkedIn. And there's a huge support for that. So I've, I will write a post about it. And it's about encouraging. And I think if you show that you are living 
really well with this brighter, clearer, happier life. And you show that and present that self. That's encouraging other people to think this is not a negative. And I think there's, there's often, there's always mind, even the word sober, it's not mm. exactly invigorating, is it? It doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> and um, there's one that's like, I call myself a sober lush because mm. I almost feel like that. Let's put a good spin on this. So, yeah, I'll be celebrating it. And I always have, I like Thompson and Scott Nauti champagne. Uh, it's my favorite champagne. So it, it's weird. I can't drink a whole bottle of fake champagne. I used to probably be able to do a whole bottle of real champagne, but definitely celebrate it in that way. And I think just taking stock and going, as so much has been, uh, it's there's so many benefits to changing that one small part of your life and just leaving it behind as it just didn't serve me well. And then all everything that's happened since then, it's, it's incredible, really. And I'm so blessed that I made that decision. So grateful. Well, yeah, and you're helping others. I love, I love um, spill. So tell people about spill. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so behind. spill is sober party industry lads and ladies, and it's um it is it is very simply a WhatsApp group and a community. We are lucky that Liz Shanks, who is part of Spill, is our like um organizes some really incredible socials for us as well. But myself and the co-founder Michael Smith set it up five years ago. He's a, on AA, so that's great because he can add that layer of support in the group for that. But the group is made up of mindful drinkers, sober, curious, non-drinkers, um, those that just want to understand or change their relationship with alcohol and AA as well. And in an industry that, as we started this conversation, that has it drinking woven into it, having that support community and always knowing that there's always a spiller at, at certain events is a really strong thing, a message to the industry. So we are seeing a lot more people join. And it's it's quite, I'm I'm so relieved in a way that the industry is shifting and moving the needle to a much healthier way of living and we should say this is a this is a, a whatsapp group isn't it yes yeah, yeah great. it's just it's just a whatsapp group run by people for i mean i'm a big believer in community i'm co-founder of a digital leading ladies and i lean in on lots of other community groups and one thing you've always got to know is you are stronger together and you're also it's by doing loving and learning from each other that's what community gives you so spill is there really is just a, a whatsapp group to support each other interesting do you the question here for you to what extent do you think it's harder or, or easier for for women to be sober um due to societal pressures if if that's if that statement uh, is true do you know what? I, it is I, it's easier. And I, I do feel for men, actually. My my husband is that he drinks, but he doesn't drink loads. But when he mm. goes out with his, his mates, mm. it is still very hard to put your hands up and go, no, I'm not going to drink tonight. And even if you say you're driving, there's still that, that pressure on mm. you. And even though, and I, I think it's changing because you've got so many good alcohol-free beers on tap now. Lucky Saint is doing, oh, the world of good to the industry and to pubs. And there's always good choices of alcohol-free beers, but I honestly believe it is a lot harder for, for men to, to say no and to stand out and be a little bit different on that. So I hope that changes. I don't know what you both think about it, how easy you find it. Well, it's interesting, actually. You, you mentioned Lucky Saint there. We've recently had Valentine's Day, obviously, and noticed in, in um, a leading supermarket that they had um, a, a dine-in for two deal that actually included four Lucky Saints. Yeah, uh, the lucky saint with them. So that I mean, that's the first time I've seen it. Mm. So I think it's being made, as you say, easier by the the range of 
alcohol-free, non-alcoholic um, or low-alcoholic beers. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's so many strong men that are alcohol-free. So I'm, I think if the more that celebrities can stand up and say it, that's going to make a difference. If we could see more sportsmen, there was a bit of an uproar, wasn't there, recently in a football match there when people turned out a rugby match and there was alcohol, it was only alcohol-free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're actually going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking about that this week in, in our booze news very shortly. <laughs> uh, that's quite an interesting one. We're also this week talking about um, sober first, but it sounds as though yeah. they weren't really problematic for you. You were able to, did you have oh, any? Yeah, I was lucky enough to get married two and a half years ago. And I, so at, my, at the wedding, we had, there was lots of drinkers there, but so we had loads of alcohol drinks, but I had in again that, that Thompson Scott champagne and Nuturio wine. Interestingly enough, it all ran out. That will, because mm-hmm. the wedding's a really long day, and if you are going on it, you know, bang on it on the on the wine, you can find yourself almost missing out. And so a lot of people were joining me on not drinking, and but I loved it, and it was again that clarity. I got to live and love every moment, and I think when you take away a drug that ultimately is dulling your senses and it is making you fuzzy and messy, then. W- that's a good thing. I mean, that just, I do feel like life is that bit brighter. It's like in Technicolor. It can be quite, it's quite intense because it's good and bad days. Good and bad days, you've got to face it full on. You've got nothing that you can hide. You can't hide behind something and you can't bury your head in, in alcohol or other drugs. But I have to say a bad day is only made worse by alcohol because the next day the problems are still there and now you've got a hangover. So if you can learn to have your own sober toolkit of how you handle stress or how you handle difficult days, that really sets you up. So when you do stop drinking, you do tend to have to think about other ways of looking after yourself and your well-being and getting to know yourself without becoming all worthy and touchy-feely. But that was quite an interesting, interesting for me to learn um, what works for me, what brings me joy, uh, and what makes me feel good. You've articulated that brilliantly. Mm. That's that 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 sort of seeing in multicolour, but also having the yeah. challenges. Definitely how I feel. And so, thank yeah. you for being so clear with, with that. Um, final question. Yes. What are your hopes for the sober curious movement now? I mean, you've said that once you realise that perhaps it's not good for you, um, and and you know where do you see this going? And also. How will the younger members of your company and, you know, younger members in society in general help lead this? Uh, do you know what? I'm seeing a massive shift. The Gen Z generation is is really there. They have a completely different attitude towards alcohol. And I'm so relieved to see it. I think it's more they can take it or leave it. They, I'm seeing my team is made up of there's 33 people at the Digital Voice and it varies in ages. But the, the, those that are in their 20s, they're quite happy to come out and have an amazing time and they'll have one or two or none. Um, I don't know. I think it helps because I lead from the front in a different way. I think if I was constantly like I used to 20 years ago, um, I would have then... I would, be, I would have been leading from the front. I'd have been getting them to go down to the pub and or good drinking at every event. So I think that makes a big difference. And I definitely think that we're starting to see a shift in attitudes. And they're just more comfortable with themselves. And they have a much, they're much better at embracing well-being and their mental health. And let's not forget that the last thing you need if you have any mental health problems is a drug that does exactly the opposite of what you think it's going to do. It will make everything worse. Um, so I'm really proud. I think we've got a movement on our hands here. I'm not going to say that it's going to go as far as 
smoking and no smoking in pubs kind of thing. Do you think that? I think so. I think so. Like the more researched this journey, and obviously I I used to run a pub and I was in, I was working in a pub when the smoking ban happened. So I remember all the conversations that we had about how this was never going to work and how actually how in in society's mind a, a switch was flicked. And then actually you I kind of look back and think, actually, when was that when was that switch first activated? Maybe it was when you first when society first created a non-smoking space on the yeah. upstairs of the house, for example. But once you identify one zone as a place where you shouldn't smoke, actually you're just rolling it out, aren't you? Yeah. So I wonder if something is similarly maybe happening with alcohol in that once we kind of as a society understand that you don't need it for all the things we thought we used to, maybe it's just a case of chipping it away. I think it is. It's little steps, isn't it? Like Lucky Saint did their pop-up pubs and you will go in there and it's still got alcohol there, but you're able to choose from a much wider selection of non-alcoholic drinks. And there are bars like Revolution and other bars. Um, I know the, there's lots of different club sodas got their own pop-up bar. And, and I think we're starting to see that. And I think it's more just, I would love to see anything that embraces, even if it's baby steps, just a move forward into showing probably the truth about alcohol because I think people bury their heads in the sand and once I read once I understood it and I really saw it for what it is Mm. it was like the the blinkers had come off and I could see I could then see an experience and go actually this doesn't serve even if you're only having a little bit of it what people say to me why don't you just have one glass I'm like why Mm. would I even have one glass why would I choose to put something in my body that makes me so that makes me fuzzy and that that not on form and you know no really alcohol doesn't mix well with lots of situations and yet we still choose to do it so but I really think that the generation behind us generations behind us are going to make some big changes towards it which is only can only be a good thing yeah I hear that fantastic well Julia thank you so much for spending You're some welcome. time with us and um, hopefully we can we can touch base, you know, in, in, a, in a little while as well. And, and, and you can update us. And congratulations next week again. Thank you. I'm going to look out to, for that non-alcoholic champagne that you mentioned as yeah. well. I've got like a, a whole list one. of recommendations I can give you. And thank you so much for having me on as a guest. It's been a pleasure. That's Thanks. great. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again, Julia. Lovely to have you on the show. As uh, Julia mentioned, there was a a story in the papers this week about uh, the Twickenham alcohol-free zone. So frustrated England fans were demanding a refund after a surprise alcohol-free trial. I think that what happened here is that the organisers had decided to have alcohol-free zones within the stadium. People rocked up with their drinks and were told they weren't allowed to sit in those seats because it was an alcohol-free zone. It's the first thing you do, though, isn't it? You, you go to the ground, you get the pints in, you go to your seats and then... Yeah, um, but there, was, there were tales of people necking all four of the pints and then sitting down, which kind of goes against the whole idea of what they were doing this for. And obviously, some quite sort of negative feedback. Fans said to have had their experience ruined um, and fans having to choose between throwing away drinks and consuming them quickly, as we said. So an interesting one here. I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but I mean, great that they've that they did this, but perhaps badly executed. I think, yeah, the, the idea is is a good one. Um, and I, I used to be a sports journalist. I spent a lot of my time at Twickenham at the internationals. And often you could see how frustrated people were 
that someone would have to get up and go to the bar mm. and and I think that it was an attempt it's an attempt to stop that right. really and also um, Guinness have their, their their new product yeah don't they? so I think that was very much part of it right but again maybe it's a bit um symbolic of England's rugby situation at the moment that the just the communication isn't there the the uh, the, the idea is good but the the application is is missing because of some sort of language and and communication problem but yes so it's attracted sobriety headlines of the wrong sort i think yeah safely say yes exactly and the second item for the this week's booze news comes from um fortune.com and it's about gen z cost of living induced sobriety drive forcing uk nightclubs to shut yes i've heard which is uh which is well I mean, I spent my, a lot of my youth in nightclubs, mm. so it's uh, lamentable, I suppose. Mm. But there's some great stats here um, from Savanta. Savanta research shows among Europe's 18 to 34-year-olds, 63% are spending less on alcohol purchases in supermarkets, while 67% are drinking less when they go to restaurants and bars. And this is a bit of a surprise here. Italian Gen Zers are leading that temperance movement. Mm. I wouldn't have put my money on that. I mean, it's Mediterranean. They, they do like their drinks. Lots of the Italians that I've met mm. <laughs> certainly like a drink. Um, but yeah, but what do you think about nightclubs struggling? Well, actually, I, there was a piece of um, news in um, one of the trade papers about um, about nightclubs closing, and it seemed to suggest that this was a reason sort of post-COVID, they didn't get some of the benefits that uh, that restaurants and pubs that serve food did. And they were claiming that it had nothing to do with changes in, in people's consumptive habits. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I, mm. I would imagine that cost has something to do with it. Because if you look at how much alcohol costs versus how much it cost 20, 25 years ago when, when we were doing these sorts of things, I think it's prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um, and also maybe the kind of promos that you used to encounter. That, do you remember in your student days, the kind of crazy yeah. promos that I, I think they're frowned upon now and, and maybe are perceived as a bit, a bit cringe? I think so. I mean, I've not visited a, a university campus for, for a while, but um, I'm coming up to well, 20 maybe 25 years since I started university next year and there is some talk about getting a group together mm. to revisit old haunts and mm. it'd be interesting to see what you know whether they've got the the booze day Tuesday offers and, and all the rest of it and I suspect they won't it's it yeah I'm, I'm not sure I, I I wonder whether the drinks companies and yeah actually in, in many cases the student unions now would have a view on this as, as, yeah. as being not such a good thing mm. yeah interesting stuff well, we'll leave it there this week, I think, and look forward to hearing from you. Please do get in touch. Send us some questions. We've, we've got loads of questions last week. We're, we're holding a few of them back. So thank you for them. And yeah, we'll have a lovely week. Cheers. Cheers.